Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like Hey, this is just a little winter update. If it's hard to hear me this morning, it could be that you're trying to listen to me through your hat. Mm-hmm. That was my experience just a moment ago. I was like, why is it? Why does it seem so quiet? Well, it's because I have a hat on. No, no, it, it because not I like had a certain, hat hat. Uh, Carmen, mm-hmm. I had a few things uh, faded down a bit too much, so no, no, no. Really? You were fine. It was it my wasn't fault. My hat. It wasn't. I your took hat. my hat. I took my hat. I must have taken my hat off at precisely the same moment <laughs> that you regulated things oh, because, yeah. like, suddenly I was like, "Oh, I can hear it so much better." I was blaming it on my hat. No, it was. I had a really like cozy thermal hat on this morning, and I, I, now I've taken it off, and I can hear you. And so there you go. It's good. It's an operator error on my part. So hi, Paul. Hello. Good morning, Paul Perot. <laughs> good morning, right, and, and good morning to you wherever you are. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and if it's a little muffled, you know, check your hat situation. That's what I did. Trust and obey. That is what I have written um, in big letters at the top of my notes this morning. Trust and obey, which, of course, is going to lead your mind to begin singing, well, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And if that is not the song that started um, running through your mind— when I said trust and obey, what what did run through your mind? Just curious about that. You can always text me during the show, 877-933-2484. I don't know about you, but at the start of a new year, I'm always like, okay, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some new, not really resolutions, but commitments. I'm going to make commitments. I'm going to put them on my calendar um, because for me, that's kind of a driving force. So if I really want the world to be different in some specific way, if I want my life to be different in some specific way a year from now, you know, at the beginning of 2025, then I recognize that I'm going to have to do some things in 2024 to bring that about. And the main thing I have to do is trust and obey. (laughs) I mean, that's it. Like the main thing I have to do is trust God to be God and then walk in obedience with him. God has revealed himself, his will. Um, He has revealed the straight and narrow path. He has revealed through his son, the way and the truth and the life. The question is, do I trust and obey? Those are really the questions before me um, each and every day. I wonder if you could set those questions before yourself today. Do I trust in the Lord with all my heart? Or am I, in many, many ways, leaning on my own understanding And am I acknowledging him in all my ways? That's the obedience conversation. In all my ways, acknowledge him. In everything I plan, in everything I think, in everything I say, in everything that I do, in every response, in all my ways, in my spending of time and money and resources, in my relationships, in all my ways, am I acknowledging him? Am I acknowledging God? 
his presence, his, his goodness, his grace, his plan, his provision? Am I acknowledging Jesus as the way and the truth and the life? Or am I, if I'm really honest, just giving him lip service? Yes, yes, knowing that God is there, but no, no, not acting as if that is true. I want to focus on the world on the word acknowledge for just a moment. Our growing your faith verse of the day comes from Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So we can unpack this piece by piece in what does it mean to trust in the Lord? What does it mean to put my full faith and confidence in him, to walk in the way that he leads, to yoke my life to him, to, be, to abide in him, to be connected to him as the vine, the root, me as the branch? What does that look like in all my ways to acknowledge God in everything that I plan, I think, I say, I do, how I respond, all my ways? Leaning not on my own understanding, which means not being worldly wise, like, right, not leaning on my worldly wisdom or the ways of the world, having it my own way, Mm -mm, nope, in all my ways, acknowledging him. So let's unpack the word acknowledge here for just a moment. The word acknowledge is a combo word. It's one of those smushed together words. Take the word act and the word knowledge and put them together and you get acknowledge. Act knowledge, to act on the knowledge. It's like the word believe, to be living as if, to be live. To believe is to live as if, to be living as, to believe. Well, acknowledge is a word just like that. It's to act on our knowledge, to act on what we know. So how are you acting today on the knowledge that God is and that God is good and that Jesus has come and that he's coming again? How will you act on that knowledge? Romans chapter one gives us a big lesson on what it looks like to suppress that knowledge And I would say that, um, you know, not only Jesus in his life, but the early church in the letters that we have and in the book of Acts, we get to see what it looks like to act on the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus um, has come uh, and he's coming again and we know it. How do we act on that knowledge? That's what it means to acknowledge him. So this verse of the day, these verses of the day today from Proverbs chapter 3, it really could be asked as a list of questions. Do you trust in the Lord? Do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? In what ways are you leaning on your own understanding? In what ways do you need to newly submit to him, to act on the knowledge that God is and God is good and Jesus has come and he's coming again? Do you trust the Lord? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't, don't seek to be so worldly wise. In all your ways, acknowledge him. 
Act on the knowledge of the goodness and the glory of God, and he will keep you in the straight and narrow path of Jesus. And here's the bonus. You don't have to do it alone. Jesus is with you and for you, and the Holy Spirit and fellow believers are walking with you even now. So I thought it would be fun today to um, get together with our friend Dave Buring and actually sort of game out a plan for how we're going to walk in the way of Jesus in 2024. You got a game plan for how you're going to grow as a disciple of Jesus? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Dave Buring is back. You can check out tons of resources related to discipleship at lionshare.org. Good morning, Dave. Happy New Year. Good morning. Happy New Year to you. Would it surprise you that the average American watches 140 hours of television every single month? I feel like people who tell me they don't have time to read the Bible, they don't have time to, you know, they don't have time to spend praying for other people. They don't have time for the Jesus things. I'm like, hmm, 140 hours of television a month. Hmm, got time. Got, got, yeah, got time. We all got the same amount of time, Dave. I know. 168 hours a week. Amazing. Okay. So, um, people, people need help making a plan. I mean, I'm one of them, right? So if I want, if I, if I say, I really do, I want to I want to be, I want to have grown as a disciple. By this time next year, I want to like, I want there to be growth in my spiritual life. First of all, how, how, how would I measure that a year from now? And then how, what, what do I need to do now to see that kind of growth a year from now? Yeah, I think, you know, no matter uh, what someone does when it comes to kind of aims like this and trying to aim for something, you have to begin with recognizing where you are. You know, like okay. if you and I said, hey, let's go to San Diego, you and I got to recognize that we're in maybe middle Tennessee, which means we've got to go west and a little south. If you don't recognize where you are first, you can't begin to make a plan to where you're going to go. So it, it requires some humility and honesty, um, maybe even as you bump into things, kind of some, uh, I thought I was farther along, you know, but but it's... It's starting with that. And and when you talk about this spiritually, I think there's several fronts. It's like, how can I grow in in my friendship with God? Like mm. I think of things like how how am I going to approach the scriptures this year? Um, is it a certain kind of way that you read through the word? Is it and, and again, I love the plans of reading through the entire Bible. It's awesome. But if you have done that a time or two, I want to encourage you, maybe it's time to take a section, you know, whether it's um, the Gospels or it's some of Paul's books or it's or it's diving into a single book during a year and, and just really mastering Ephesians. You know, how are you going to approach the word? I think there's things related to your prayer life. I was just doing this stuff last week and thinking, okay, how do I egg my prayer life on? Is there certain things I need to do? And I started writing down categories, things, Carmen, like um, I started first with like, what am I responsible for? In other words, what are things that God has given me to steward? Mm. That's, a, you know, so, so it begins like with my family. It Then it's things like lion share. It's, but then I extended it all the way out to things like I'm a citizen of this country and I'm a, a, you know, citizen of the greater Nashville area, the state of Tennessee. And so what does that mean 
related to my prayer life. Because when there's something God has given you to steward, there's a little bit of extra something, something he's given you to be able to pray for that thing. So, you know, there's that piece. And then the last piece I'll just throw in on this too is, is for me, when it comes to this category of growing with God, it's my worship life. What am I mm. doing to continue to muscle up, enjoy God in my worship life? And so those are three things when it comes to my friendship with God that I've already been reflecting on this year. All right. So the first is, you know, how can I grow in my friendship with God? Like that's the big question that we're going to, yep. um, and we're, and we're going to evaluate where we are, like really mm -hmm. honestly with humility, mm -hmm. where, mm -hmm. where am I really? And then some, some friendship with God questions. What is my approach to the Bible? Or what has been my approach to the Bible? What might be my approach to the Bible? That's a really robust conversation. And then my approach to prayer. Um, and then you've given us this really wonderful evaluative tool. Um, what has God already placed under my stewardship? Like, what has God given me to steward, to manage? Because he, he's going to evaluate, you know, am I faithful? You know, is she faithful with the little I've given her? I'm not going to give her more yeah. if she's not being faithful. Yeah. With, so that's the obedience conversation. That is really good. And that is a, um, I will add to the things that you listed, like God has given me a body to steward. He has given yep. me health and he has given mm -hmm. me, and then you made the list of relationships. Like he's given me a marriage. Mm -hmm. He has given me, well, in, in, one of the things this year that I know is on my stewardship list is my my mom and my stepdad you know they're they're gonna they're 85 and 90 like well yeah. you live there too dave like, like yeah. right we are yeah. we know that we have a responsibility to them and i want to keep some margin this year recognizing that i'm going to get some unexpected some things that i i want to live in the expectation that i'm going to get some unexpected phone calls and i'm going to be needed in places mm -hmm. and in ways that um i want to be prepared to to respond yeah. He's given me a marriage. Yeah. He's given me children and grandchildren. He's given me, you know, a local community, as you've pointed out. Um, you know, and yes, I'm a citizen not only of the kingdom of heaven, but of a particular country. And in that country, there are particular things um, that I feel responsible to speak to or respond to. He's given me opportunities. And then, um, so I'm going to think about and pray about my approach to the Bible, my approach to prayer, and then my approach to worship. I am a worshiping being. I mm -hmm. loved your language of muscle up, right? Mm -hmm. um, how, I'm gonna, how am I going to enjoy God um, and what is my life of worship? Not just a rhythm of worship, not like just checking off, oh, did I go to church the majority of the Sundays right. in the year? Like whatever, that's just crazy, right? right? Like what, what is my worship life? Can we talk mm -hmm. a little bit more about that last one when we come back? Yeah, happy to. Yeah. So when you think about your life, when you think about having been created in the image of God and called and invited into a life of worship, what does your worship life look like? What Of what does your worship life consist? We're going to continue our conversation with Dave Buring in just a moment as we seek to be people who intentionally, intentionally make a game plan for spiritual growth in this year. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. How good are you? You feeling good? You doing good? God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Goodness is the character of God and the work of God. But we don't always feel so good, do we? I mean, are you good? You feeling good? You doing good? 
Maybe you have a sense that you need some healing, that you desire some wholeness. Our friend Susie Larson has a new book, Waking Up to the Goodness of God, 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness, and we'd like for you to have a copy. Faith Radio is giving away 100 copies of Susie's new book, and we'd like for you to have one. So enter to win yours now at MyFaithRadio.com. We want to know the goodness of God all the time. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Talking with our friend Dave Buring from Lion Share. If you don't have a game plan for your spiritual growth, check out lionshare.org. I highly recommend the disciple, uh, discipleship journey, um, ADJ for short. There are videos. There is um, a book. There are groups. If you don't have a game plan, this is a really good one. Um, I can attest to it personally and walking with it now or walking in it now with um, a next generation of leaders. Dave, let's talk about specifically our worship life. What what does it mean to have a worship life? I mean, like, I think we just tend to think about like going to worship as an event mm-hmm. once a week. What is a worship yeah. life? Yeah, I, I think when we look at the scriptures, we see like an easy, easy one to find is like the book of Psalms. You know, I think most people might realize that the book of Psalms is really a collection of songs and they were songs of worship. And so, you know, you, there's a lot of them in there um, that are David, but you have some, you know, others in there that we see as well. And worship is not just going to something. And it's an important piece for sure of, of going and worshiping with others. That's an expression of our community to the Lord. And the Lord, you know, if you want to say it this way, expresses or manifests his presence in very tangible ways as we worship. But what I'm talking about here, Carmen, is like, like I want to know, regardless of, of a worship team being up front, kind of pulling worship out of me, I want to know that I have expressed my worship to the Lord. I want to let him know I love him. I want to let him know there is no greater affection for or allegiance to that I have to anybody else than to him. And so part of my expression of this is uh, on my phone and on my iPad, I have created like some playlists where I will update songs. Like I just um, see today's Monday on Friday or Saturday. I think it was Saturday. You know, I bought a few new songs of some things that have really spoken to me as I've worshiped over this last year. And so I downloaded them and I add them and I haven't put into my uh, um, playlist yet, but they're there so I can start adjusting those and mixing them up. But like, I, I, I think we've talked about this a little before. I have a playlist that's kind of my worship intimacy, worship celebration, worship warfare. And, you know, there's probably 20 to 25 songs, you know, on each one. Plus then I can go to these different, you know, individual worship leaders and do their thing if I want to. But I oftentimes what that looks like practically to me is I'll stick my headsets on, I'll get in a quiet place here in our home, and I will spend 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes just with those headsets on and allowing the presence of God through worship to begin to impact me. Um, There'll be times I will sing along with them, sometimes out loud if I'm home by myself, if Cheryl's downstairs having her quiet time, I don't want to disrupt her, so I may, you know, kind of uh, mouth them or whisper them in song. Um, but it's letting my heart connect to words in songs that I identify with that express my heart of love, affection, and commitment to Jesus. 
Mm, that's so good. Um, I have a friend who asked me in their in their Christmas letter. I like people's Christmas letters, by the way. I like the ones that mm-hmm. I mean, I like the ones that sort of bring me up to speed. So thank you for your your Christmas card and letter from you and Cheryl. I appreciate, you know, sort of the this is where we've been. This is where God has taken us in the la- in the year past. This is where mm. we feel like God is calling us in the year ahead. Would you walk with us in it? I love that. So mm. it's precious. Um in one Christmas letter, a friend um, was talking about worship life in in much the same way that you are talking about it now um, and encouraging us to have a playlist and sharing a couple of things from their playlist. And then I loved this question. I love, loved this question. Um, they quoted Zephaniah 317 about, you know, God yeah. singing over us, exalting over yeah. us, right? Yeah. And the question, their walk-off in their letter was, what song is God singing over you today? Yeah, it's awesome. And I just love that question. That's so intimate. That reminds me yeah. that my friendship with God is not just this like one-way thing where I'm seeking to know more of him, know more about him, know more about his word, know more about what he's given me, you know, to to steward or manage, but to know him and that he knows me and that yeah. he sees me and that he's singing over me. That's incredible. It, it is. And, you know, the only human thing we know on that really is happy birthday right where people <laughs> sing over us <laughs> and and uh you know because okay, that's clearly, not something clearly you're not doing the same thing we're doing at the LaBerge household just for the record so every evening we we have dinner together at the table and then um the you know all of that is cleared off and three three games come onto the table fantan which is a card game um uh dominoes which we we play like a <clears throat> a modified version of Mexican train, just just one or two rounds. And then Bananagrams. Every night, same three games. We're not, you know, we're not very creative. But everybody has a victory song. And so whoever wins, you have to oh. sing their victory song. So in my <laughs> oh, family, in, in my family, yes, happy birthday. I mean, you're going to hear it once a year. But every night, in all likelihood, you're going to hear your victory song. And my initially, my victory song was Victory in Jesus. And then they told me that was so... They were like, this is so, we can't do this. We can't sing Victory in Jesus to you when you win a card game. I'm like, ooh, okay. So now it's like, I don't know. Mine's like, celebrate, celebrate, dance to the music. Whoop, whoop. That's mine now. But Matthew's has been the chicken song from the very beginning. So I'm just wow. telling you the drop of the hat. Yeah. Or, okay. and, and so, Jim's is you are the champion of the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. But you can, I like we, that one. We, we generally assign to anybody visiting, because, you know, we subject everyone to this. Um, and, you know, if you're visiting and you're on our table and you don't have, you can't immediately come up with a victory song and you win, we will sing Eye of the Tiger and we sing the whole thing. It's a little oh, bit obnoxious, but nice. people seem to, people seem to like it. Yeah. Do you put, do you there put you some background music on or is it all acapella? Oh no, it's all acapella. The whole thing, man, is wow. just us, like crazy people. I know. There's that arm motions awesome. to a lot of them. My sister has this like flourishing peacock thing that we do. I, I'm just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, so let's just, just plan say, on that. Yeah, you're going to need a victory song. Okay. Well, just, you know, let's say then 95% of people only know <laughs> Happy Birthday as the song sung over them. And, you know, when I was a young missionary with Youth of the Mission, this was a um, a significant learning piece for me, Ze- this Zechariah passage, because when you think of God singing over you, mm. it means that he takes joy over you. Like I often think of is it is like, what does God's voice sound like? Is it like the combination of the highest soprano and the lowest 
you know, bass and a little tenor and barrett all thrown in there at the same like what does his voice sound like when he sings but the fact that he's singing over us and rejoicing over us and the the language there in the hebrew speaks almost of a you know expressions of dancing over us it's mm -hmm. it's that excitement so like an easy you know an easy match for me mentally on that is when i'm at a football game Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when we're at, at a football game or a basketball game where you win it in the bottom of the ninth inning at a baseball game, people aren't just standing up and passively clapping. We're jumping up and down and we're high-fiving and we're yelling and we're screaming and, and a whole different side of us comes out because it was the unexpected or it was the thing that we had hoped for. And and we have to realize that, like, again, it's a great way to start the year to to pause and realize that this is God singing over you because of how much he loves you how much he rejoices over you and the value that he has of us that he sent his son to have his blood shed for us that we could be restored and have relationship to him and he sings over that and if you remember it talks about too in the new testament where you know there's rejoicing in heaven when someone new comes into the kingdom of god and so I think that can be another piece, Carmen, this year is who, who are we going to win to Jesus this year? Who are we going to get in our prayer list to, to start praying that way? And who are we going to disciple this year to, to partner with Jesus in the Great Commission? So I think that's two other questions that, you know, we can ask, where am I going to grow this year? That's so good. That's so good. All right. We're going to... Um... We're going to keep this list and we're going to check in periodically when we when you and I talk with each other, we'll check in periodically on this and encourage um, one another in it. Um, thank you so much for the ministry of Lion Share. Thank you for what you and Cheryl are doing each and every day um, in your own walk of faith with your own, um, you know, with your own tribe. Um, and thank you for sharing time with us. We we really value it. Thank you. Value too. appreciate it. And I trust that this year from your show that there'll be more people reached, impacted, and poured into than ever before. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dave. That's Dave Buring. You can find him at lionshare.org. Check out the podcasts that are there. They've got a Vimeo channel. There's all kinds of great stuff, teaching resources um, for your own walk of faith. Okay, so if you have ever given a, a like a live speech before a crowd, then you know the moment I'm about to describe to you. So half the people ordinarily about half listening. Is that fair? Like if you, you know, where have you been recently that there's been a person up front talking? Are you listening like with both ears, fully attentive, eyes engaged? Or are you kind of half listening? Most of us are half listening about half the time. So um, as a person who has done a fair amount of speaking in front of groups of people, I can tell you that, well, I know this from science class. You have seven vertebrae in your neck. Um, your first vertebrae, C1, is actually called your atlas. Just think about that for a moment. It's because it's the place where the, you know, like you feel like the whole world rests on your shoulders. That's like atlas of Greek mythology. That's why we call it the atlas. Did you know that? There you go. The atlas holds your head upright. So there you go. Um, and then your second vertebrae is called the axis because that's like the tipping point. It's the one, you know, that you use to pivot from side to side, um, right? And yeah, okay. So... You bend your neck from side to side. That's really cool. And then you can also bend your head forward and backwards, right? So bow your head. Now, if you're driving, don't bow your head. But you get the point, right? Like that motion right there, that bowing the head motion 
uses all seven of those cervical vertebrae. Did you know that? So they are called, they're connected to something that is called the facet joint, which allows for that forward and backward and twisting motion of your neck. Why are we doing all of this um, human anatomy today? Well, because when you bow your head in prayer or when you're focused on your phone instead of the speaker at the front of the room, you have engaged that hinge at the top of your spinal column. That's what's actually happening. And so when you're a public speaker and a room full of people suddenly snaps their heads to attention, like they engage that hinge and all of a sudden eyes that were down in laps or on phones or doodling or whatever, they're like up and they're looking at you. You know, you've either said something profound and it has touched the heart of every person in the room or you've made a gaffe. (laughs) You have said something that caught the attention of everyone because it was so extraordinarily bad. I did a double take the other day. I was, I confess, half listening. Um, I was taking notes, but I was also jotting down my to-do list, uh, you know, where I needed to go and what I needed to do after the event I was attending. The person speaking said something that captured my attention, and I did what everybody else does, and that is we snap our heads to attention. Did she really say that? Did she say what I thought I heard? No, 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 no. I must have I must have misheard. So now I'm listening for clarification. And because she couldn't have possibly meant what I thought I heard her say. And then she paused and she repeated it. Yes, she said it and she meant it. Now, for the purpose of our conversation today, it doesn't matter who it was or what she said. What matters is this shared experience of something grabbing our attention when someone says something. When was the last time God grabbed your attention? with something um, in the scriptures of the Old or New Testament. Because God means what he says. You and I hear lots of people say lots of things in the marketplace of ideas today. Um, Recently, uh, Nikki Haley said something that uh, she didn't quite mean to say and she probably shouldn't have said. And we're going to talk next about hearing rightly and then allowing for clarification. Dr. Adam Carrington joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend, uh, Dr. Adam Carrington, is back from Hillsdale College. He has never misspoken in public. Adam, welcome back. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I, okay, uh, I am very thankful. Is, yeah. yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm very thankful that I don't have a microscope that, say, a presidential candidate has on me uh and 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 that not everything i say is being recorded or watched as we're about to launch into such such matters about presidential candidates <laughs> <sighs> okay so nikki haley this is in the south where we would where we would insert the phrase bless her heart um uh was asked a question her her initial answer to the question um was very un unsatisfying her follow-up answer to the question was helpful but um but i think still leaves questions just talk with us you have written about this you have thought about this um what are the lessons what are the right lessons to learn from um nikki haley's you know very public blunder about what were the causes of the civil war Right. And she wasn't wrong that there were other things than the issue of slavery. And I tried when I was writing about it to say I even added to some of the things that she didn't say. But by not mentioning that, 
I think it it's not historically accurate and it leaves out the painful uh, historical experience and leaves out why it was such a grand and awful and hopefully in the end uh, um, a beneficial conflict long term for for the United States. So I think the things to learn from this is um, one. Uh, you can't whitewash American history. Uh, America is made up of human beings that make mistakes, and those include political mistakes, moral mistakes, uh, and slavery, having it was one of them. Um, and I think that that should, you you need a presidential candidate who and a president who can talk that way. On the other hand, I think some of the attacks on Haley wanted to go so far as to act as if there is nothing decent, respectable, or good about America or American history. And I think that one of the lessons of the Civil War is that, um, you know, well-meaning people can have a deep moral disagreement about something as fundamental as owning another human being, but that uh, the American story is the fact that we have had um, a, a, a commitment to human equality and human liberty that has been reforming us, um, that we have actually tried at, at great cost to make ourselves better, to, to treat other human beings more in the image of God than, than we started out doing. And so I think the right lesson to learn is a kind of I guess, balanced view of our country and of human politics that says, no, things aren't perfect and we need to call out the the evils and and, and imperfections. At the same time, we, we need to be thankful for where God has allowed us to be better than we were before and worked in us even at great cost to, to make that betterness happen. So that that's something that I would hope would come out of this as opposed to scoring points on, you know, whether this makes Haley more electable or less electable, you know, whether she's a, a good standard bearer or, or a way to mock her or defend her without admitting anything. So I, I, that's what I hope comes out of this is a, a deeper civics lesson about politics in America. I think as as you and I are Christians engaging in the marketplace of ideas today, um, we have an endless number of opportunities because, you know, our um, our media environment is now so saturated with um, ads and content that is related to the, the political cycle that we're in here in the United States of America. Um, it is 2024. There is going to be a presidential election in November. Uh, and if you um, if you have somehow successfully uh, lived in in such a way that you're not aware of all of this, um, then you're probably not in Iowa or New Hampshire. But if you are in Iowa or New Hampshire, you are well aware um, of everyone who has thrown their hat into um, into the ring, so to speak. And one of those individuals. Um, who is running for the nomination for their party is a former president of the United States, and that is Donald Trump. Um, there are some states that have taken action to remove Donald Trump, to exclude him from the ballot 
Um, and that is now a national conversation as the Supreme Court of the United States is going to take up this concern. So, Adam, for those who are listening who are not aware, um, very briefly, can you read us in on this and then, you know, give us a perspective on it in terms of, you know, we as Christians in the United States and how we can engage in this conversation? Right. Well, two days ago, we uh, remembered not just Epiphany, although that should be the bigger remembrance, but also the events that happened right before President uh, Joe Biden's inauguration, uh, the uh, the uh, riot uh, at the Capitol that uh, was related to the controversy about the 2020 election. And in response to that, uh, there have now been two states, Maine and Colorado, where one, a Supreme Court, and the other, uh, a, a Secretary of State within the states, have said that uh, due to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, President, uh, former President uh, Trump is, cannot be on the ballot. And that 14th Amendment provision that really is is not been uh, uh, exercised for a long time was put in place after the Civil War basically to limit the participation of former Confederates in the national government. And um, I I, I think that uh, the Supreme Court had to take this up because it has to do with a national issue about the national constitution. Uh, I do think that whatever you think of what happened on January 6th, whatever you think of uh, the president's being a great candidate for president again or being um, uh, uh, unfit, it's not clear that a court, uh, a state court or a state secretary of state can make this call or exclude him when uh, he's not been in a court of law or in an impeachment process convicted of the very uh, crimes of insurrection and rebellion that they're claiming that he did. And so I think that um, um Certainly what happened then needs to be taken into account, but I imagine and expect the Supreme Court next month to pretty handily say this was not the way to handle this issue. This is not the way or the way or the people to interpret this constitutional provision. So that's a lot in a short amount, but I think no, that's that's, that's the at least the baseline. No, that is really helpful. And I, I appreciate um, I appreciate your summary. I appreciate you helping us um, bring it into focus. Um, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, uh, I'd like to have a very, very different conversation with you. Major colleges and universities, and when I say major, I'm talking about um, Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania. I'm talking about big schools, MIT. Um, they have been uh, they've been at the forefront of a lot of cultural conversation um, in in some measure because they have allowed for free speech on their campuses that has included speech that is very targeted against Jewish students and Jews in general. And um, many people have experienced that as not only hate speech, but anti-Semitic targeting Jews. Um, And it has produced fear. Um, It has produced, well, it, it has produced a lot of very, very negative outcomes in terms of the way people not only have been made to feel, but many have left left those schools because of it. So those presidents of those schools um, have been you know, called to account. That has resulted 
in uh, in additional conversations about who actually ought to be leading these schools and how much credibility the people who have been leading actually had. We're going to talk with Adam Carrington in just a moment about what we need in terms of college presidents and is it has it become an impossible mission to actually identify the kind of people that we would want to have leading these institutions of higher education in America. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you've heard that Faith Radio partners with One Child to offer you the opportunity to sponsor a child living in difficult circumstances in a hard place. Well, when you sponsor a child supplying for their needs, you change a life. And when you change the life of one child, you change the world. Your one child learns that God loves them, more than they can imagine, and that God's got special plans for their life. Your one child gets help with school and is taught skills like leadership and how to even overcome poverty. Your one child gets nutritious food and vital medical care that can be life-saving. You might not be able to change the world, but you can, in fact, change the life of one child. Meet the kids. Find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Dr. Adam Carrington this morning from Hillsdale College. All right, Adam, um, what do you think is the prescription moving forward with colleges and universities? Um, how, how do we as parents out here, how do we as donors, as alumni, um, how do we think about, how do we hold institutions accountable? How do we help our kids and grandkids um, determine where to go to school or whether or not to stay at a particular school? Like, how? Help us navigate what's going on right now in in the higher education realm uh, in the United States. Right. And the higher education realm itself is in a bigger crisis and facing a bigger crisis than I think a lot of people know. Uh, A lot of schools are shutting down for financial reasons. There's a lot fewer kids that are going to be going to college in the next few years because of changes in birth rates and things like that which will strain colleges. So, you know, this is something colleges need to be thinking about as well um, as institutions. And I I think that there needs to be a sort of re-centering on what a full education is. And I think on uh, avoiding two broad problems. One is assuming, and I've said this before, I know uh, talking with you on other times, Uh, Not assuming education is merely about uh, a job, that you are merely a worker that puts out economic product Um, and and look for colleges or demand of your college. Is it a place where people recognize that students, faculty, staff have souls and that those souls need to be cultivated, educated, encouraged? Uh, corrected in in some way that treats the person as an entire person. Uh, and I think that that needs to be a focus of, of, of education. Uh, but the other is to not assume that education is about indoctrination either. The idea that we need to turn students into Um, unthinking or underthinking, it's usually underthinking, minions of a certain political or or other kind of ideology. 
but instead that we're cultivating again the word cultivating um people who are are free in the best sense they're 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 self-governing they understand uh what's good and true um, they they live lives of gracious mercy mercy toward each other, um, recognizing the image of God in each other that we, we I mentioned last segment. Uh, and I think looking for people who can move institutions in that direction, I think is pretty vital. And I say move in that direction. I don't think all these institutions are going to be radically remade in a single moment. But can we start demanding? Uh, and start pushing for uh, and start looking for uh, institutions that more and more approximate seeing the full human being and seeing human beings as free and thoughtful and self-governing human beings. And I think if you can put those things together, you, you've moved the education needle in a much more positive direction than where it's been going, um, uh, especially as we've seen in what's been exposed over the last few months, what we've seen has been been going on. I remember a front page New York Times article. Some this is, goes back a few years, um, actually like celebrating and advocating that we um, that we not only uh, affirm children when they lie, but we actually like teach them to lie, teach them to be good liars, like effective liars. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, um, plagiarism is theft. It's also lying, um, and yet we live in a culture where you know theft and lying are. I'm not really sure, um, highly uh, criticized anymore. I mean, like, we, we kind of live with the expectation. This is, this is the Carmen acknowledging how bad things are, just for, you know, I'm not affirming any of this. I'm saying this is the reality we live in. We live in a culture of lies, of the suppression of the truth. We can't even publicly say that there are men and there are women, and these are biological realities, and you cannot credibly say that you are a man if, in fact, you are a woman. I can't, And I can say that because this is Christian radio, um, but there are lots of spaces and places where you cannot say that. You would not, that would be not, it would not be accepted as the truth. And so I, I'm having a hard time, Adam, I'll just confess, I'm having a hard time. Um, recogni- I mean, I recognize what the truth is, and I recognize what plagiarism is. I know what lying is. I know that lying is wrong. I'm not sure we live in a culture that thinks that lying is wrong. And so this, this recognition that people are liars about what they write and who wrote what they, who wrote what they published under their name. You, do, you, do you see where I'm going in this? Like, I, I just feel like we're like treading in pudding in our culture today. <laughs> Well, uh, or you could say just suspended in air with nowhere to stand could be nice. the, the, the another way of of looking at the same the same kind of phenomenon. And I think that uh, in the end, though, society can't operate that way. And, right. and it's interesting. I think a way to build out from that is, you know, if you go to a restaurant. <laughs> And it says um, this meal is, you know, ten ninety nine, and then you get a, a bill for twenty bucks. Um, you're you 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 say that's not the truth. You are not telling the truth in a way that uh, shows that people actually live according to some concepts of truth. The problem is, it's it's uh, we, we've not learned. A, 
to 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 translate that or we we've unlearned translating that into the moral realm into the realm of what's good and and true not just what's written down on paper and i do wonder if what we need to push back on is start back with basics uh, point out to people how much of their lives are built on other people keeping their word other people meaning what they mm. say very basic interactions like a bill at a restaurant or grocery store and say but that we can't stop there it needs to be broader it needs to be the good faith we show morally toward each other um you know i'm, I'm not saying that's a silver bullet but uh if you want to ask is there a place to stand on uh, we have to show people how much they are still dependent on people keeping their word, still dependent on some kind of objective truth, and just say we need more and a, more of it and a broader realization of it. And then, as 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 we all know, talking as we do and believing what we do, knowing that God is the truth. Amen. On this truth, we are going to stand. Adam Carrington, thank you so much for joining us today. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. I can't believe the first hour is already gone. Where did it go? Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.